Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Good morning, Syracuse, and thank you for tuning in to this weekend's edition of Fizz Radio. My name is David Edelstein, and I'm joined by Harrison Singer and the two of us together for one final time this year here mm-hmm. on the airwaves of the score 1260. Wow, it's really it's feeling warmer outside. I'm happy about the weather. We could always comment on that, but this is it's getting a little solemn. Yeah, I was gonna say the weather isn't telling of 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 how usually when the weather gets warm, uh, I get all happy and excited and 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 want to go outside and and run around and stuff. But I'm just not feeling that way right now, David. I'm I'm upset. I'm obsessed. Our last time together. I'm having like a like a tear. You know, no one can I see, see it. it. I see it running down your face. Down it's real. Face. It's real. It's sad. But what I am excited about is the Syracuse basketball and the Syracuse football seasons. And as always, let me just take a second to point out that you can go online to orangefizz.net and follow all of the content that we're posting, constantly tracking this recruiting season for both sports, as well as the sports during their active seasons when they do come back up later this year. So make sure you're following there. There's a lot of recruiting news going on. We're going to be talking about some football. We're going to be talking about the NFL draft, which is going on. We're also going to be talking about how Syracuse football might look going to the future, some basketball cool things, a player who might be returning in one way or another. So stick around for that. Also, of course, some reminiscing we'll have to do at some point. But for now, Harrison, let's start with the football thing that's going on right now. Yeah, you know, kind, it's of not a, nothing kind of big. A, kind of a pretty significant thing, I'd say. No, no, it doesn't even matter. It's not the the NFL draft. Of pretty course. pretty big event actually in all seriousness and there are some Syracuse players who are actually uh up for a bid. Yeah, they're still on the board. Uh you know, I guess we were expecting this to happen. You know, it's different from a fan's perspective when you watch a guy for, you know, however long, two, three, four years play in front of you and you see all the good things that they do on the field. Like, you know, a guy like Chris Slayton, who was a stud here at Syracuse, obviously, you know, a guy like Eric Dungey, who was also a stud here at Syracuse. And, you know, as a fan, it stinks to see these guys slide down the boards. But, you know, it's not like any anyone really went into the draft these last few days saying, uh, yeah, this guy's a surefire first-round pick. You know, even Chris Slayton, who was slated to be the you know the first Syracuse player picked off the board, it's not like yeah, again, like he, it's not like he was going in the, the early portion of the draft. So you know, while it stinks, it, it it is what it is, but it's nothing out of really the truly unexpected. So not the most optimistic outlook for, in your opinion, for Syracuse players in the NFL draft getting drafted at all. You're saying you don't think that they'll be. We'll even hear their names called. Well, I think there's, I think Chris Layden's going to get picked for sure. Um, uh, obviously, you know, the, there's a lot of talk around Eric Dungey um, and, and, and what might happen with him. I'm not sure. Uh, I don't really, I mean, if he does get picked, it'll be sometime in the seventh round. But again, the, the big catch here is just because you're not picked, it doesn't mean that you can't make an impact, you know, at the professional level for a team. I think that, you know, regardless of where Chris Layden's picked, whether it's, you know, the fourth round, the fifth round, the sixth round, doesn't matter. I think he's going to make an impact for an NFL team. I think even if Eric Dungy's not picked, he has the ability to make an impact for an NFL team. There are guys, you know, like Cody Conway can help an NFL team. And even a guy like with the work ethic of, you know, of a Ryan Guthrie 
guys like that can help NFL teams. It doesn't matter whether or not they're draft or not. They're just not going to be the, you know, the superstars that everyone, you know, whose faces that everyone will be, you know, aware of when they get picked or when their team comes to town in the NFL. But, you know, there's still going to be guys that are going to be battling in the trenches and, and, and positively helping uh, an NFL team. Now, I'm thinking about someone like Eric Dungy, who started for four years at Syracuse and has seemingly made a name for himself. I mean, in this community, for sure. You remember when he was walking off the field for his last time in the Carrier Dome, fans were just chanting his name like crazy. This guy made an impact and then brought his team from 4-8, and 4-8, and 4-8 and to winning a bowl in this last year. Absolutely. So how, how much do the on-field statistics of a college player go into the decision-making for how a team would evaluate their potential contribution on the NFL side and then wind up drafting them? Yeah, I mean, well, you see a lot, um, really, and, and you can make a case, and we'll get to it more. It happens in basketball as well. Um, but the best stats, uh, especially, you know, with longevity as it relates to college, playing, you know, through your senior year and, and, and playing well, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be the highest pick in the draft. I mean, obviously, that doesn't mean that you're you're going to be necessarily a top, you know, first round pick. Second, round, it, every case is different. Every draft, every player is different, um, and with with each player, that you know, in in the pool of of draft selection or possible any possible selection for the draft, they have their other they are their own case. So a guy like Eric Dungy, who spent four years at Syracuse who has really been through the ringer, um, who, who has started, you know, upwards of 40 games for the Orange, a guy like that, even with all that, he's not necessarily going to be drafted, um, you know, as early as these first-round guys, first-round quarterbacks were. So, yes, yeah, stats in, in college is nice, um, but I feel like anyone who gets picked high is going to have those stats. It's really just so many other factors that go into it, you know. Not that Eric Dungy has any sort of personality problems at all because, you know, he doesn't. But um, the personality side of everything is factored in as well. Um, you know, and also something to be said for a guy like Eric Dungy too who measurable-wise, um, he's a big big athletic body. You know, he, he, he does well with the ball in his hand, but... There's question, you know, whether or not he's an NFL passer. I don't really know if he is. A guy like that's going to fall, but that doesn't mean he wasn't great in college. So each case is different. Uh, each each player's their own case, and each team is looking to fill their their own respective needs. And and they each team also values players um, very differently. Each you know a player you, you talk to Kyler Murray right uh, or about Kyler Murray to the teams and and going into the draft this was a, a huge thing too like. How do teams value these quarterbacks? You know, the, the Dwayne Haskins, the Kyler Murrays, the David Jones of the world. Like, you you talk to each team, and it, it's just a different response depending, depending on who you talk to. So, uh, you know, there's that, too. There's just so many different factors that go into it. And still with Eric Dungy specifically, he's a player who did play all four years, but for the first three, didn't play the last three games of any of those seasons. So, I mean, he's a guy who's been injury-prone over the years. He said he was getting better at it, using his shoulder to roll, or maybe just not trying to jump kick over people <laughs> yeah. as much anymore kind of collision. But he's an active player. He runs around the field, and he, you know, led the team in rushing and was just a dual-threat quarterback by definition. Yeah, oh, absolutely. How much does his injury history and potential also go into considerations for an NFL draft along with potential on-field statistical right. production. Well, I think the NFL, um, 
Well, I know the NFL is a business, and part of that business is putting together the best team, um, best team possible, one that also hopefully you uh, kind of a core players or players on that team you can have maintained success with. So I think a lot of what goes into that is the workload, prior workload, um, you know, upon acquisitions. So you're talking about Dungy, who really did take, like you said, took a beating throughout his time at Syracuse. Uh, and that's probably something that will definitely, you know, uh, be if, if, if assuming he gets, an, you know, NFL looks, whether it's, you know, in this last day of the draft or afterwards, it's going to be something in NFL war rooms. It's a conversation that's going to be going on in NFL war rooms. This guy had probably as far as we know, probably two concussions, at least at, at Syracuse. He suffered his other fa- kinds of fair share uh, of injuries. So, yeah, the workload's definitely... Thing. One example that comes to mind for me was when the Dallas Cowboys kind of ran DeMarco Murray into the ground at the running back position. And he led the NFL in rushing, but, you know, once his contract was up, Dallas wasn't willing to give him the money he wanted. Same with, you know, it just happened with Le'Veon Bell in Pittsburgh, and, and you know, now he's a Jet. Um, but... The workload is something, especially with guys who always have the ball in their hands, the workload is something that's definitely taken into account. But does that mean that at 6'4 and, and when healthy at 225, 230 pounds with the ball in his hand, can he help someone? I absolutely can. And I think that's also, though, something that will be considered and, you know, I think will should be able to help him when uh, teams are doing their post-draft looks or even, you know, trying to find a strike goal a little bit in the seventh round. This is Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. Make sure to check us out at Orange Fizz on Twitter. Harrison, just jumping back to the discussion about Chris Slayton, because you're mentioning how the, all these factors are taken into account, and you let off by saying, I expect that he will get drafted. What is it about him that makes him in that realm of, of players that will get chosen in your mind? He's just a beast, man. Like... He is just a beast. He's a guy that and, and any NFL team can use this. It doesn't matter what guys they already have there. If you have pro bowlers and you know at the nose tackle spot, then you can still use guys like Chris Slayton. Guys who just come in, put him down at the, in the in the middle of the field. If if you have a superstar there already, you know, like an Aaron Donald in Los Angeles or a scenario like that, these guys can still come in, take the pressure off, take you know, aid Take snaps if you ever need to give your key cogs a break, uh, or even play still stick him in the middle on the defense line. Chris Slayton is someone who just draws attention up front, um, and that opens up opportunities for your other guys, you know, coming off the ends, your linebackers, um, anyone really in your front seven. When there's attention devoted to one guy, you know, that, that, there's more room for other guys. Um, he just takes up space. He's, he's, he just t- takes effort to stop, and, you know, even if he's not doing things that show up in the statue, even if he won't be racking up the sack numbers or racking up the tackles for loss or even the core, he is doing things that aren't featured in the box score but are just so important to any team at any level. And I think that's why, you know, again, like we were saying, there's one thing, you know, yeah, if he gets drafted, great. But regardless, I think this guy really can help an NFL team. The guy who has a career four years at Syracuse, First three played defensive end last year, played defensive lineman. Total of 104 tackles he's been involved in, and 63 of those by himself. Oh, and absolutely. 30 and a half for loss. I mean, I'm, I'm listing off some numbers here, but man, this guy's been pretty powerful. Yeah. If, if you were to say that you had no idea about what's been happening with the NFL draft for the past few days, just erase this whatever's happened from your memory, where would you have predicted that he would have been drafted? 
I think Chris Sladen is a third or fourth round worthy pick. Uh, I think that you know he's not going to be someone that you you spend a first round pick on at the, you know, the defensive tackle spot like a Quinn and Williams, and you know has a really great shot of literally just being a complete game wrecker. Like there there are there really are only so many guys like that, and you know yeah it's a huge it's really a defensive heavy draft too. There's that um, to be said, but. He's just a guy that can come in and make an impact. So guys like that, you can find really at any position in the, in the thir- should or hope to find it, really in the third or fourth round. Um, that's definitely what I would have thought coming into the draft form. So yeah. So if you have to give the thirty-second elevator pitch to players that are coming into college football now, college football, or players who are still got a, another year or so left in college football, what would be your thirty-second elevator pitch for what it takes to make a name for yourself while in collegiate? athletic programs so that you do get drafted into the NFL? Uh, well, I mean, it'd be a lot easier if I was, you know, a player who, who actually gets to go through it. But from what I understand, oh, I'll tell not? you. Oh, yeah, believe it or not, right? But, I, you know, multi-sport you athlete over here. You know, it, it's it's really picking a poison. Well, but... multi-sport talking athlete. Yeah. My, my mouth <laughs> does a, a lot of exercise into this way. radio microphone. Yeah. <laughs> That's definitely a better way of, of putting it. But if I had to give, you know, a quick elevator pitch, it's first stay healthy. You know what I mean? Really, that that is so important. You know, teams won't want to really pluck guys with health problems or, you know, with anything that they even could detect could possibly be an issue. At least not they wouldn't want to spend their first round pick on it. And I know, you know, for a guy coming out of school, like money is money is so, so much. It's so important. So you don't want to, you know, go stay healthy um, and, and kind of do whatever you personally can to take out that risk of, of falling down the draft if you're someone who's projected to go high. Um Listen to your coaches and, and, you know, keep clean on and off the field. Really, I mean, that's yeah. the less issues, the higher you, you get picked if, you, if your play speaks for itself. So definitely. The more, the more playing time you have, the better chance you get to show what you're worth. Just stay and healthy, though. Get picked for that. Stay healthy so you could be on so the field. So important. So the NFL potentially up next for some of these now former Syracuse players. But what about the future of the Syracuse team itself? That's up next here on The Score 1260. Back here on The Score 1260, Orange Fizz Radio continues. I'm David Edelstein, joined by Harrison Singer. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Orange Fizz. Also, you could check out Spotify for Orange Fizz, where we have our FizzCast podcasts, as well as these full Fizz Radio shows that you can find right there as well. iTunes, follow us Facebook, and don't forget to check out our blog, our website. It's everything there. OrangeFizz.net for Syracuse football and Syracuse basketball news and recruiting news, which is there's a lot of right now. And speaking of which, recruiting is about the future. And... Syracuse football right now is the next sport in line. Harrison, what would be your first impression right now with the current status of recruiting and the spring game this past weekend, for a matter of fact? What does Syracuse football look to be in the few months, or if you want to pretend it's closer, a few weeks away? Yeah, we well, I think the biggest thing you're, you're, you, we, got, we got to talk about here is the season that they're coming off of. So there's momentum. There's motivation. Like, once you have, I, I guess, you know, for lack of a better term, gone from really zero to 100, you know, you have put yourself in a position where the guys who are, especially the guys filling shoes of guys who are going to now hopefully be playing in the NFL, 
the pressure's up. You could turn the heat up a little bit on, on your players if you're Dino Babers. You, the standard is different going into this season. You finished last year inside the top 20 teams in the country. So it's, the, you know, the guys coming in, the, the guys who are still there and, and the guys who are going to be, especially the guys playing bigger roles this year, the, the standard is just higher. Uh, you know, some of these, a lot of these for incoming freshmen, you know, they're not going to see, you know, an incredible amount of reps, um, you know, their first year through. Some of them will also obviously redshirt. But I'm looking, oh, and so are, so seemingly so are we all, but I'm looking right at, you know, some of these guys coming in through the transfer wire. Uh, what there really can't be enough said about what the addition of Abdul Adams might, might mean for the Syracuse team. Um, some they're losing Dante Strickland, obviously, but a guy like Abdul Adams and and also Tristan Jackson from Michigan State, the receiver. Guys like that are are talented players who oh you look at it and you say oh they didn't really get the chance to prove themselves at Michigan State so like oh are they they're, they're not as good as the guys ahead of that's that's really nonsense to be honest with you I I'm really looking forward to seeing these guys come in and they're hungry now like they the fact that they didn't get opportunities when Abdul Adams came from Oklahoma and 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 Jackson from Michigan State those guys are coming in getting opportunities now and with the talent they have like they have I would. I really do expect their talent to just be on full display because they're playing hungry with some with chips on their shoulders, something to prove. They hadn't played for the whole season because of the NCAA rules. That but too. We did see them in the Camping World Bowl. They did. The interesting rules are the season's over, Absolutely. so they got a chance to and play. You got to think. Look at look at that immediate impact. Right. Exactly. That that, I mean, yeah. Abdul Abzi had two two touchdowns. Right. If I'm yeah, not he had two touchdowns, and 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 Tristan Jackson caught a a touchdown pass on his first ever reception for Syracuse. So uh, they're coming in hungry and they're ready to prove themselves, and that's a great opportunity. You're not just getting talented players if you're Syracuse. That's great for the Orange too because you're getting guys who aren't just talented. They want to prove themselves, and hungry talent is the best kind of talent like that is what pays you dividends like i would really like, that's what i'm looking at more than anything right now for next year those guys contributing you know the freshmen the recruiting and the and the freshmen coming in that's we'll, we'll see and, and that's something to be those are things to get excited about over the long term but those guys coming in are hungry right now these guys are going to make an impact this coming season you know babers constantly talks about the fact that he's building up the the freshman class that they still need to get in they're talented but you got to get to the weight room you got to eat properly you got to so you're still maturing as I mean, oh, absolutely. Think about it. What are 17, 18 yeah. year olds coming absolutely. in? Absolutely. That that doesn't go like that flies under the radar. You know, when it, say like when a, you know, a 290 pound left tackle from from high school commits to a school, he's 18 years old. You know what I mean? Like it's almost forgotten that uh, like the, the, the kid's 18 years old. He's just like months removed from his high school graduation. It's not like he's ready to, you know, go out and block the blind side of a, you know, a top flight quarterback for, you know, however many snaps a game. It's not like that. It, there's definitely a developmental learning curve for, for all these guys, physically and mentally. Which is what allows these transfers who have some experience, who are older, continue to work out. 100%. Now they're hungry also because they haven't played in a while, but they've got that that skill. Oh, yeah. So just focusing on the, the freshman recruits, though, for a second, who's the biggest standout coming in? Ooh, I like a few of them. I really do. Uh, you know... We'll see. I think there was a need at the linebacker position, um, or at least it's nice to bring in uh, guys that you can develop, and some will make you know quicker impacts than others. But you know, I really like the the signing of of Mikel Jones. I like what he brings to the table. I like you know, and obviously he's, Courtney Jackson's not a linebacker, but speed kills. Like just like to have athletes on your team, you know, 
it's 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 great whether it's on the, on the offense or defensive side you know guys like that it just it poses a challenge to play against you know no matter who you are um they there's just multiple guys through this class that can make impacts and and the important thing though for orange fans is you know some you're going to have to be more patient on than others some you know the opportunities are going to be there uh, quicker than others but you know those two guys, I'd probably say uh, I'm really excited. Those are those are in terms of the freshmen. Obviously, we talked about you know those two grad transfers um, that we just spoke about literally a few seconds ago. But then you also have offensive line help coming in. You know, Cody Conway is going to be leaving in the draft. There's another grad transfer, Ryan Alexander, who's going to be here next year, making you know playing his first season in, um, for Syracuse. So uh, that's also you know a great a great addition for next year too. I, the, there's there's definitely turnover from the team that finished in the top twenty last year um, in the rankings, but you know there's a chance that it could be positive turnover and and you could see those positive changes hopefully you know happening quickly. So you look at the recruits that are coming in, and I see three new running backs. Why would there be such an emphasis on that position going into the the 2019 season? Yeah, I think that I mean. It's good to have. Uh, it's good to, with running backs. It's really good to have quantity, um, not necessarily over quality. Yeah, but it, it's it's certainly close. I mean, you see, you know, in the NFL, running backs don't really get picked in the first round anymore unless teams really view them as just a like a specimen, which you know Saquon Barkley is, and and you know Ezekiel Elliott, who turned out to be worthy of that that early first round pick for the Dallas Cowboys. You know, guys like that, real just true difference makers. Technically, no matter what the circumstances are for you know your offensive line, your whatever it is, whatever the circumstances are, those guys are going to make impacts. But the same kind of you can apply a different philosophy for you know bringing in running backs. You know whether you're a college team or an NFL team, if we're not if if you're there, you're bringing running backs who aren't you know top five, like the you know top five top flight recruits at the position, and you don't have to you know go out of your way and bend your back tremendously for guys like that. It's they're really nice to have, really nice. It's nice to have options, and it's also when you know for running backs on a team, it's also nice to give teams different looks. So you want different kinds of running backs, you know, different options to choose from. Just running back, the running back position is, it's a position where like you can play more than one guy in that spot, and both guys, even three guys, will make significant impacts. So it's just a spot where like there's there there should there could and should be depth and. Definitely no problem with bringing in all the running backs you can find. So that might have settled some people's nerves. I can imagine someone looking at this saying, "Okay, three new running backs. Where is where's the uh, you know where's everyone else? Where is the spreading of the wealth to other positions?" Uh, Dino Babers has not been shy in saying that his team is lacking in some areas, and it was said more in the way of, "You know, we're an elite team. We can compete now. But if we're going to compete consistently going forward." We still have to build up some roster depth at some positions, he said, because his quote was something along the lines of, if we get hit in some of the wrong spots, then we're just as good as we were two, three years ago, Mm -hmm. which we know was not as good as Syracuse football wants to be and the fans don't want to be. So where exactly is Syracuse still lacking at this point? I mean... That's a, I really, it's a good question, but I think that's a year to year type thing. I think when you're in college and guys can only play for a maximum of four years, there's turnover really from year to year in what your team identity is. I mean, like going into this season, I really, really like 
this year especially because you're you're talking about not just even a quarterback change. You're talking about the style of like the the styles that the the two quarterbacks play. The, the you know between Dungy who is obviously departing and Devito who's going to presumably take over next season. The styles of the two quarterbacks are completely different. So you're really talking about a team that not to say they won't be as successful. We don't know that, but the identity is probably going to be considerably different. You know what I mean? Like. Devito's a strong arm pocket passer who's going to rely on his arm to make all the you know really most of the plays. Um, Unless with, they use one of these three new running backs or another veteran yeah, I mean, running we'll, back we'll to, to do some of the running for we'll, him that maybe Dungy was compensating yeah, I mean, by doing so much himself. Right. We'll see about you know in terms of this coming season about Marla Wax and uh, Sean Tucker the two running backs that'll be on or become I don't know whether or not they'll redshirt. We'll see, but you know. In terms of new running backs coming in, it's going to be Abdul Adams. Also, you have Mo Neal too. So, like, you have guys who are going to ideally be capable of taking the pressure off your first year starting quarterback. Like, Devito's obviously seen game action, but this is going to be his first year being the guy from week to week, and that is so different because these guys aren't robots. It's not, oh, you know, wow. <laughs> Tommy, Tommy's got a strong arm. Oh, Dungy's hurt. Okay, then let's just send him in. You know, no problem. Like you know, at, against Notre Dame at Yankee Stadium. Like it doesn't work like that. You know, like this guy needs preparation. He needs reps with all with the first team stuff that he just wasn't getting treatment rep like practice that he wasn't getting these experiences. You know that he wasn't getting last year. It's gonna be it's gonna be a different experience for for DeVito uh, as it should be you know moving to the starting quarterback role and because of that it's or Matt being one of the you know, several reasons it's just going to be a, a different looking team I think all around it's a different looking team different identity I think it's fair to say that the orange is the new fast I mean new is starting to yeah. get a little bit older but this whole idea of being fast-paced the Dino Baber style and the Dino Baber's mantra and just his personality him being coaching a team for the, of the fourth year right it's the first time he's ever done that so sticking around that kind of identity will stay but as far as the success on the field uh it, how difficult would it be to predict right now is syracuse going to see some regression or do they need to go through a rebuilding phase you know they say teams go through cycles and there's definitely a big change right now this team is really intriguing and i don't want to you know put a dagger in anyone's you know balloon of or hot air balloon of excitement um but I don't think there's just a lot more youth, like at least on the offensive side, and it, really in your, your quarterback position is what I'm looking straight at. Like offensively, offensively maybe they will take a step back, but like I don't know, I don't know because it depends how well they can incorporate Abdul Adams right off the bat. I think more than anything, like this team might have to work out the kinks in the beginning of the year because of you know that slight identity change. But I, I still expect the defense to you know. A lot of there are a lot of returners on that defense. I know you know they're key departures, but you know uh, Kendall Coleman and Alton Robinson are back. I know you know the loss in the middle is going to hurt, obviously um, Chris Slayton, but those guys are back. Cisco's back, which is 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 great news in the secondary. So like there are returners on defense to not regress defensively, but it, even if the offense doesn't end up regressing over the course of the whole season with the addition of some of these new weapons to help out your new quarterback, I think there still might be some beginning stage working out the kinks that might we might you know that might transpire. We might see that. So enough of the team remaining that a lot of the culture stays and a lot and of the coach. opportunity stays. The coach coach the one of the biggest sign an extension like that shows confidence that's huge. And, that is and also commitment. Huge. Yeah. 
and he's a great coach. Like I know I might be stating the obvious here, but he's a great communicator. He's smart. Like he is just a good players coach. And those are the kinds of guys you want leading your football team because those are the kinds of guys that are going to get their players to go to war for them. And he does that really well. And then on top of that, you've got new guys coming in and maybe a new style, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. So only time will tell exactly yeah. what happens, but the future overall looking yeah. pretty positive I, I for, think, the, for yeah. the Orange. Agreed. I think Dino knows plenty enough about the game to you know take what he has at his disposal and you know make, make lemonade. All right. So the future of Syracuse football on its way and a battle for the NBA on its way as well. Yes, the pun was intended. Stick around mm, and we'll like let you it. know exactly why. Right after the break here on The Score 1260. Back on The Score 1260, I'm David Edelstein alongside Harrison Singer on Orange Fizz Radio. We have you from 9 in the morning through 10 in the morning every Saturday, and it's been quite the year so far, so make sure you keep checking orangefizz.net for all your Syracuse basketball and football news, recruiting news, game news. Follow on Twitter at Orange Fizz, Facebook, same thing, Orange Fizz, on Spotify, same thing, Orange Fizz, and iTunes, Orange Fizz. It's Orange Fizz. Very simple. <laughs> it, it works. It's like soda. It's good. <laughs> so, Harrison, uh, NBA is also on its way. Uh, the NBA draft, I mean. And the battle for the NBA is, you know, getting through, in, being drafted, increasing your stock, doing that all the time. And as far as Syracuse is concerned, literally, Tyus Battle, and along with O'Shea Brissett, going into the draft this year. And we've talked a lot over the past few weeks, and I'm sure everyone's heard from us and others a lot about, oh, what's your prediction? Is, where's Brissett going to go? Is he going to come back to Syracuse? Will Battle make it as far as he wanted? Did his stock increase since last year when he was trying the first time? Blah, blah, blah. Very important stuff. But taking a different angle on it right now, a slightly different approach, the Syracuse basketball season started with a ranked team this past year. That's what, the, before the season they were ranked, they played the first game ranked, and things quickly fell, you know, at MSG, and then the season was kind of tumultuous, is the word that I've been using. How much does a season that's so rocky like the one that Syracuse just had affect the draft stock of players that are trying to go into the NBA? Ooh, I mean, it's, it's, that's a good question. I don't, I mean, you look at, Tyus Battle, you look at O'Shea Brissett, these guys simply, their draft stocks both fell, um, you know, from the start of this season until now. Uh, I think it was it was interesting because I think both guys also, with especially with where they were ranked going into the season, I think they both were telling themselves, okay, kind of no matter what happens, like, I'm gone. I'm, I'm going to the draft. I'm doing this. Uh, Battle, you know, has one more year of eligibility. He's doing what's best, and I don't. You know, he's not. He's just not going to come back to school. Obviously, it's different. We're we're still waiting uh, uh, on, I guess, confirmation with O'Shea Brissetti. Maybe he'll, you know, pull a battle of last year and and say, hey, maybe I do need one more year. But I actually, I actually did run into O'Shea Brissett uh, on the Syracuse University campus last year before the season started, and he said that, you know. It didn't seem like he was going to be at Syracuse past this season, uh, and even last year you were getting after, that sentiment. So going into this season, he planned on it being his last year. I think it's been a long-standing belief of his that he was going to only be at Syracuse for one more year. However, that was when 
he was ranked 33rd, um, according to, you know, or at least on the cusp of the first round in a lot of these mock drafts. Um, I think that what, what a difference a year makes, you know what I mean? Um, and in other words, this season he slipped, or did the team's combined slipping and then, you know, anticlimactic first-round loss in the NCAA tournament affect him? Yeah, I mean, it's tough to tell, and I think it's a, a lot of different things, and I think this affects Tyus Battle more uh, than it affects O'Shea Brissett, but I think, like, the way Syracuse plays, first on offense, you know, Battle, who is always been since I get really the last two years for sure and and even though yeah he played a you know a decent role as as a freshman but his, the last two years he's been the guy he has been the guy that Syracuse looks to and puts the ball in his hand when they need to score and the way their offense works you know they run a really you know heavy isolation offense give the ball the battles space out clear out and let him do his thing and what that does is it leads to a lot of inefficient low quality forced shots and i think that you know first offensively that will hurt his draft stock because you know i think scouts are watching his tape and seeing all seeing all these forced bad shots and they're being put off by that but that doesn't mean he doesn't have the skill to help an NBA team which I firmly believe he does defensively both these guys fall victim and so many Syracuse you know NBA prospects prior have fallen victim to playing in a zone I think that when when you go to the NBA and you're 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 playing man to man and you're expected to know you know in the NBA, I mean, you got you got to meet a certain level of play, and you're relied on to really always play man to man, and uh, you know, on defense in the NBA. So coming from the zone, really, I think screws with a lot of these Syracuse players uh, transition into the league. So I think between the offense and the defense side of things, I think that's really hurt battle with the you know the the quality of shots that he's been having to take his take his usage his usage rate um, has also been so high and. Uh, things that just should will probably go easily overlooked. You know, with O'Shea, his field goal percentage didn't go down this year, but you know everyone seems to be on that same kind of wave, uh, which is unfortunate to see. But you know, so why exactly do you think that it affects Battle more the bad higher season volume, from Syracuse? Higher volume, the roles that they're playing on the team. O'Shea is this athletic player who you know grabs boards, leads the, leads the team in rebounding, but then you know also so he's not. A scorer, he can score, but he's not a scorer. Like he's, he takes three point shots. He take, you know, he he. There are actually like a significant amount of times where O'Shea Brissett is asked to be an isolation player, and he just so is not. And and then it's, you know, when you're playing outside of the way or the, like the position, like the way that you sh- your game should be dictating, it's just not going to help your draft stock because you know a coach's job is to put his players in the best position to win games. And and I don't think that that's what, you know, Battle, who has a certain skill set, and O'Shea has his certain skill set, are, are kind of put in the positions to do. So when you're thinking about teams, kind of like, you know, how a good Duke team really helps out Zion Williamson, who's already a phenomenal player, but when your team does he's, well, yeah, can you imagine own... Zion Williamson, let's just pretend that he's on a team that's completely bad, or a player that's so good is on a team that's so bad. I just wouldn't do, use... do they just... I just wouldn't use Zion Williamson just because, like... Just use a general example. So R.J. A, Barrett, I think, is a very good example, actually, though. His teammate, you're talking about a guy with, who, without Zion Williamson, you know, without Jones, without all these other guys that Duke has. I think, yeah, you're looking at a completely different player, or at least the same player with, you know, with different, you know, touted differently at a different, a different level. I don't know if he's being talked about as a top three pick. He's definitely a top three caliber player, but you know, on a team where he's literally would be asked to do everything and, and shoot 
you know, countless amount of shots and but inefficient shots, you know, a product of what would be playing with, you know, less talented players, then yeah, we're talking about maybe a top five pick, top ten pick instead of, you know, probably a guaranteed top three pick. So the season can affect the player. But it's mainly the player who needs to really yeah, earn just, their draft the stock position. at the end of the day. You're, you're judged by how you play on the court. And I think it's definitely an, in, an inhibitance when you're put on the court and you're not being, you know, put in the situations where your game can allow you to thrive. And that is, in turn, what will hurt a lot of these guys' draft stock. And I think Battle and, and O'Shea are, are definitely victims to that. So we've spent some time looking ahead. That all to come. But now after the break, we'll take... I'll look back on some of the big moments over the past few years here on The Score 1260. And now I get the chance to welcome you back to The Score 1260 for Fizz Radio one final time from me. David Edelstein alongside Harrison Singer and maybe as a kind of passing of the torch or passing of the baton, whatever sports metaphor you want to use. <laughs> Harrison, questions are all yours. Ah, uh, damn. <laughs> that's 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 a pretty big honor, I would have to say. But the first thing that is boiling on my mind after four years on the Hill, David, what is your favorite lasting Syracuse memory you'll walk away with? My favorite lasting Syracuse memory? I feel like the, the first thing that comes to mind is a combination of all the different field and court storms. Um, Which one? Yeah, so, so first we had Virginia Tech. I mean, mm -hmm. that was the big one. Uh, my family was actually here because, uh, you know, it was like family weekend and we were all together. Right. And my, my dad shows up behind me on the on the field. And I'm just like, what you do? You climbed over the like what? Um, <laughs> but so we're lying on the field. So that was pretty cool. And then I mean, then then we had the Clemson, the Clemson football game where we stormed the court. And that was that was really of big because the dome dome was filled. It was the defending national champion Clemson Absolutely. Tigers that, team. And that then, was definitely my I mean, personal you, favorite. You oh, felt yeah. that as the game ended. That oh my gosh, like we're gonna storm the field. Hundred percent. And then I mean, there's the uh, John Gillen buzzer beater for basketball Outrageous. against Duke, and that that was insane. Yeah. Because I mean, at that point, everyone was saying, you know, wow, Syracuse shouldn't be storming the field. Uh, I mean, storming the court rather because Syracuse is supposed to beat these good teams. Meanwhile, Jim Beheim's like, oh, let them have fun. You know, this is cool. Um, Syracuse was going through a little bit of a rougher time at that time. And then, uh, I mean, wow, I, I didn't even realize how many times, four times, uh, there was the Jim Beheim unofficial 1,000th win. Yeah. Virginia comeback victory a year after Syracuse had come back against Virginia in the NCAA tournament to make it to the Final Four. So seeing that on the home court, and and I was actually the closest person to Jim Beheim, who was not like an official media person there. I was just a fan. I was r like literally right next to him, except for the security guard that was standing between me and, and him. Uh, and I was taking photos on my phone of the whole event happening. And of course, my phone was full. Just a tip. Clear your <laughs> no. phone of photos before that you go to big important. events so you can have room to take photos. Didn't save any of them. But, uh, you know, the big the big uh, recordings for TV and everything have me standing there and you can you can kind of see me. So, you know, those are big. I remember also that, you know, there's the buzzer beater from Clemson, uh, uh, from Ty's Battle on the Road. You also had, uh, oh, all of Dino's metaphors. Of course. Are phenomenal. Unforgettable. Really um, unforgettable. You know, baking the cake, the dough, and it's working. So, hey, keep yeah. it up. You Whose know? house? <laughs> our our <laughs> house, you know, yeah. all, all that stuff. It's going to be weird when the dome changes its roof, whether it's still a dome. But, I mean, hey, 
Yeah, I, I mean, guess it's they'll still be called the Carrier hard. Dome for some reason, right? But yeah. So if I could take the final minute to just say a big thank you to everyone who's been part of my journey. Thank you to Seth Goldberg for the original opportunity uh, to be on Orange Fizz. He asked me one day, hey, David, do you like writing? And I, I actually said no. And then I was kind of sarcastic. And he was like, do you like sports? I was like, yes, I'll do it. And so I got involved. And then the radio thing started. And it's just been a, a lot of fun getting to meet people like you, Harrison. You've been my FizzCast and Fizz Radio partner. So thank you to you. And thank you to everyone who's you know been along the way. DA, the owner, the Darth Vader, I think he calls himself, of Orange Fizz. Thank you for this phenomenal opportunity. The Score 1260, thank you for airing my words. I guess they have some meaning to people out there, so you can you can always let me know on the Orange Fizz website by finding my email there. Um, and just also, of course, thank you to my family and my parents for, uh, you know, bringing me to this moment and in, in, in basically every way and giving me, setting me up for the opportunities to do such cool things like this. So if I leave you with that, that's that's what I've got. Yeah, awesome. I definitely have a lot of respect for that last one. You always, uh, I mean, what would we be without our mom and dad? Am I right? You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. But exactly. it's been great working with you, David. I have really, every every minute on air has been really just all I can ask for. And I really appreciate you being here to help me boost my game as well. So I'm looking forward to seeing what you're doing. And I'm sure you'll keep the uh, the legacy going. Absolutely. So for one final time... Follow well not for the final time. Follow Orange Fizz always mm-hmm. for one final time from me saying it. Follow Orange Fizz on Twitter at Orange Fizz. OrangeFizz.net is where you can find all the Syracuse football and basketball recruiting news and game news when in season and in the off season. And for one final time, alongside Harrison Singer, I'm David Edelstein. Stay safe, stay cool, stay friendly, and enjoy. And I'll see you next time.